We the ones. We the ones they talking about. Broadway Sports Media. Justin and Justin Titans podcast show. Some of it was bad, but hopefully you'll you probably piece something together. Outstanding. There's an earthquake in the middle of the podcast. Unbelievable. We're begging for listeners. That's all we do. We all we got. Hey, Titans on three. One, two, three. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Music City Audible podcast presented by the Pharmacy Burger Parlor in Beer Garden in partnership with Broadway Sports Media and 440 Sports. I'm Justin Graver. Joining me, as always, Justin Mello, here to preview the final regular season game, the de facto AFC South championship game, which is not a real thing, but obviously the winner of this game against the Jags wins the AFC South. Justin, how you doing? Doing well. It all comes down to one game, right? I, I think if you told Titans fans a few weeks ago uh, that it would come down to this, they, they'd probably be stunned and very disappointed. I'm talking, you know, if you go back to when they were seven and three, the Jag, they had like a three-game lead on the Jags. No, n- nobody saw this coming, certainly, right? But it is what it is. It comes down to this week 18, do or die against Jacksonville. The game's been flexed into a Saturday night primetime spot, 8:15 Eastern, 7:15 Central Standard Time. It's a big one. The playoffs have come early for the Tennessee Titans. Of course, if they lose this game, they don't ever make the playoffs. So, you know, it's not that you don't (laughs) consider it an accomplishment, but at least you're playing a competitive game. It's funny because we made fun of the schedule makers. I mean, at the beginning of the season last May, where it's like, why is Titans Colts not the game, (laughs) the week 18 game here? And we see the schedule makers apparently know all they had it figured out. Titans, Jags for the division. I think it's time to welcome in our guest. We got a great guest to help us preview this one, John Shipley. He's a Jags beat reporter for Jaguar Report, the Sports Illustrated affiliate. You can follow him on Twitter at underscore John underscore Shipley. John, thanks for joining us to preview this game. How you doing today? Hey, I'm doing good. How are you guys doing? Pretty good. Excited for this big AFC South Championship game. Yeah. No. It. Certainly, you know, I, I've been covering the Jaguars since 2019 on my part, and I have not seen them in many important games and my time on their coverage. So this <laughs> pretty easily is first, second, third, and fourth. I, I'm not sure if there's a fifth. <laughs> John, we're, we're going to start off with the obvious. Uh, I, I imagine confidence on Jacksonville's side is extremely high heading into this one. I mean, I think, you know, you look at – Maybe the media and the Jaguars base, I think. Yeah, you know, say the Jaguars, you know, I think I saw that they opened a six-point favorites. You know, I would imagine most in the football world, you know, imagine going into this, the Jaguars are a favorite. I think internally, you know, just from speaking to players and coaches, not, you know, just today and yesterday, but even while preparing for Houston, you know, every time the Titans came up, the Jaguars kind of said, you know, no, you know, we, we got the Houston Texans this week. You know, we're not trying to look that far ahead. So I, I think Doug Peterson, you know, one of the best things he's done is make this roster, you know, kind of understand what's at stake each game and, you know, don't get too high or low because anything can happen. I mean, they've won games this year against teams that are better than them and they've lost games this year against teams that they're better than. So I think they understand not to get too high or too low and, I, I don't think internally that they're going to be overconfident heading into this one. No, they're going to be confident, but I don't think they're going to be, say, you know, confident beyond measure. Right. I mean, they should be confident as the Jags enter this game on a four-game winning streak, and some of those wins were pretty dominating. After they got blown out by the Lions in Week 13, uh, which put them at 4-8, and eight, they've now won four straight. What do you think has changed over the last month that has allowed this Jags team to excel to the point that they are now? 
Yeah, I mean, they're, you know, absolutely playing their best football of the year right now. And I think it's a combination of a lot of things. I think, you know, not just as Trevor Lawrence, you know, playing really well, but, you know, aside from him, their cast overall is playing, you know, really inspired. Evan Ingram, you know, he's been, I think he leads uh, tight ends and receiving yards, you know, over the last month. You know, he's one of only a handful of tight ends this year to have two 100-yard games. And, you know, they both came in the last couple of weeks, you know, obviously against Tennessee. Then a couple of weeks ago against the Jets. And you have Travis CTN, you know, over 100 rushing yards on not even 10 carries on Sunday. Christian Kirk, Zay Jones have stepped up. So I think overall the difference is that the consistency across the board has really improved. I mean, you go back to earlier in the year and compare it to now, and I think every position group, I would say, has improved. So it's just them, I think, maybe growing from more familiar in the system, but hitting their stride at the right time. Yeah. John, I wanted to get your thoughts on on Coach Peterson's decision to play his starters in that in that game against Houston. Obviously, took a very different approach from the one Mike Vrabel took against the Cowboys uh, on on Thursday, where the Titans sat everybody essentially that they could have sat, even down to guys that, on, in all honesty, could have played, like Derrick Henry, Jeffrey Simmons, and Dina Kowatri are three guys that could have played that game but didn't. Obviously, it worked out. For Jacksonville, they they built a, a big multi-score lead and eventually got to sit their starters, I think, what, like midway through the third quarter, roughly? So yeah. it, it did work out well for them, but it also could have gone another way, right? They could have ex- experienced an injury to a key player in what was a meaningless game for them against the Texans. So it, it did work out, but I, I'm curious to get your thoughts on sort of the process as opposed to the result. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I think... I'm not sure there's any like black and white, like this is what you should do in this situation every time where look at it. I think, you know, kind of varies by team. Like I thought the Titans made the right decision because, you know, obviously they had to play Dobbs to see, you know, get him some live reps before naming him as the starter this week. But across the board, otherwise, you know, they're a team that it's been hurt by injuries. And if any team, you know, could use the break, you know, if any team could take, you know, a week to kind of say, okay, we understand what this week is. Let's get ready for next week. You know, it's the Titans. I mean, it made complete sense, you know, both on a skid and with injuries, you know, it's an already an older experienced team. You know, they, they didn't need to win that game. You know, I mean, they've won big games before, whereas the Jaguars, you know, Outside of a handful of players on the team who have made, you know, the playoffs before and the two Jaguars with the most playoff experience aren't even going to be playing, you know, this Saturday and DeWan Smoot and Cam Robinson, they're injured. I mean, outside of a handful of guys, it's a young roster that has not just, you know, no idea of how to be a contending team, but no idea really until this year of how to even be like a pro team. Like, you know, like the (laughs) second year players, they literally had got entered this year and basically had no idea what the NFL was supposed to be. So I, I think when you're a young team and you're a team that has momentum as opposed to, you know, it's maybe on the downside a little bit, I think it makes sense to kind of keep that momentum going. And, you know, like you said, they, they needed some luck. You know, it worked out in their way, you know, kind of perfect scenario where they can play some, but you still pull them, nobody gets hurt. But I mean, there's that's probably, you know, if you put up the odds before the game of that happening, it's probably pretty low. So they definitely got lucky, but I understood why they did it. Yeah, well, you keep the momentum rolling as you come into this game. And uh, as we're on the topic of Coach Doug Peterson, I'm curious to get your thoughts. Has he been as advertised in terms of the QB guru for Trevor Lawrence? It feels like Lawrence is thriving under Doug Peterson this season. And uh, maybe they hit this hiring out of the park after the Urban Meyer disaster. What are your thoughts? Yeah, no, I absolutely think so. I think that, you know, the Jaguars made, in my opinion, one of the best hires of any team this cycle. If you're just looking at, 
what each coach had to work with coming into the season compared, you know, compared to where teams were last year and what they've done this year. You know, I think he's right out there with the Kevin O'Connell's Brian Dables, just because, you know, again, this was a team that it was made up of some veteran pieces who, from different places via free agency, some rookies. And then, you know, overall, a really young roster that, you know, had really not even grown yet, had no idea where they were going. So I, I, I do think, you know, on, one hand, you know, the Jaguars and Lawrence definitely had to go through their own, you know, kind of struggles during the early part of the season. Uh, I know a lot of people internally see it as kind of like a rookie year for Lawrence. And that's what it kind of, you know, kind of looked like through the first eight stars. It looked like a rookie in his first year in a new offense. But since then, you know, he's obviously ascended. And I put a lot of that, you know, on Peterson's plate. I mean, when you go back on, I mean, watch the tape, guys are open, you know, at all levels of the field. Lawrence is obviously doing some you know, extraordinary stuff at times. But I think Peterson deserves, you know, a lot of credit for what he's done with Lawrence and what he's done with really, I mean, the whole skill group. They have a top 10 offense. If somebody had told you a year ago that there'd be a top 10 passing offense with Zay Jones, Christian Kirk, and Evan Ingram as its top three weapons, you know, you would have said, no, that that doesn't make any sense. But the fact that it's a reality, I think, says something about Peterson. Not to mention, if you told someone that a year ago, it would have been with Urban Meyer potentially right still as the head coach and it'd be like no way in hell (laughs) (laughs) look john this has been terrific we've really appreciated your time as always what a game what a showdown this is going to be afc south on the line saturday primetime spot in closing uh we're going to get your prediction Uh, you've been here before i think you know how we typically do this how you see this game kind of flowing playing out and if you feel inclined even a final score prediction yeah no absolutely i you know, it, it really stinks that Ryan Tannehill isn't playing in this game because I, I really think if he was that it'd be I'd probably be even leaning, you know, Titans, not only, you know, uh, yeah, they're getting a few days extra rest. I don't think that matters as much, but just because they've been in these big game, you know, scenarios before. And, you know, when an experienced team is able to be the underdog, you know, sometimes that's, you know, a dangerous combination. So, but I, overall, you know, I, I, I think the Titans, I will be able to generate some explosive pass plays, you know, early on. The Jaguars obviously were able to get pressure on the Titans a good bit. Uh, last time they played it, it was Trayvon Walker's best game as a pass rusher, and he played like two and a half quarters, I think. So, you know, they obviously worked out last time, but, you know, every quarterback's different. Josh Dobbs, you know, they, they've struggled with quarterbacks who have, you know, some escapability. So basically anybody other than statues has been able to run on them a little bit. So I, I think the explosive plays – uh, will be there. The scripted plays. The really, I I think the tight ends should be a giant part of the Titans' offense. Because if you ask, if you look, told me to look at the Jaguars' defense right now and who I'm attacking, it's you know Devin Lloyd or Chad Muma. You know, either one of the rookies that's on the field. You know, they've struggled this year. So I, I think Titans will get the tight ends involved a lot. I know the tight ends had a big game the last time they played, but just overall, I I, I think the Jaguars. You know, they've built their defense. You know, not just personnel wise, but their scheme to kind of stop in the run and. It's worked this year, you know. I mean, they Henry had a, you know, obviously a fantastic first half against them last time. But overall, you know, they've done well against the run this year. I think that just considering it's, you know, Josh Dobbs and not Ryan Tannehill, I think that will give them the edge because, I mean, after watching Davis Mills on Sunday, you know, I was like, this Texans team scored, <laughs> you know, however many points against the Titans, which makes me inclined to believe that, you know, Doug Peterson will have some things ready scheme-wise. So I, I do think it will look hairy at times, and I don't think the Jaguars are going to run away with it because it is not uh, in the Jaguars' DNA to, you know, win a, an important game in convincing fashion. So I, I'll go 
Jaguars 23, Titans 20. And if Tannehill was playing, I would would pick the Titans. That seems like a pretty fair prediction there, John. We appreciate your time. Good luck this weekend. And, uh, you know, the Jags can still make the playoffs even if they lose this game. As long as New England loses to Buffalo, Miami loses to New York, and Pittsburgh loses to Cleveland. Even with a Week 18 loss, the Jags can still get the wild card. So... Uh, well, I hope we're sending you the best of luck, and maybe that'll be the scenario that unfolds. <laughs> I'm, I'm, uh, I'm sorry, I just have to add that. Like that sounds like a wild scenario, but I think I would bet on all three of those things happening. Like Miami's yeah. going into that game with potentially Skylar Thompson at quarterback. Like New England is almost certainly going to lose to the Bills, who still have something to play for. And then I, I mean, I'm not trusting Pittsburgh at all. And Cleveland have been yeah. playing better football lately, right? So all th- it would be hilarious if the Titans were to win the division, win Saturday, and the Jags back in anyway. It, it, it was <laughs> funny, like trying to communicate this, like to you know, like my audience yesterday. Like every time, like a key game happened, like Miami and New York losing, you know, I wrote about the scenarios and I would tweet it out, and people were like, "We don't care about the wild cards. Talk about the Titans." And I'm like, "No, it's still, you know, just put a pin in it." exactly all right john have a good one thanks again all right thanks guys appreciate it and have fun this weekend appreciate you john all right thanks again to john shipley for his time and insight into this team a big game before we share our thoughts on it let's hit our worst matchup of the week presented by the pharmacy burger parlor and beer garden the best brats the best burgers and worsts and we will hit you now with our worst matchup of the week for this titans team justin what have you got for me, I'm going with Trevor Lawrence against the Titans secondary. The last time these That's two what teams... I was going to say. <laughs> was that going to be yours? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Snooze, you lose. Uh, Trevor Lawrence, yeah. look, last time these two teams met, it was week 14. Uh, the Jaguars, of course, claimed victory in that one, 36-22, a rather dominant victory for them, in all honesty. I remember the Titans had Ryan Tannehill in that game. Trevor Lawrence finished 30-42 for 368 yards and three touchdown passes. Career high. Career high, 300. You were prepared for this, as I could see. 300, <laughs> high, 368 touchdown passes, three touchdowns, zero interceptions. He was not sacked the entire game. Simply put, Lawrence had his way with the Titans secondary. And, and I'd have to go back and look, but I'm pretty sure Titans did not have Amani Hooker in this game. They didn't have Christian Fulton. They didn't have David Long. They didn't have Dina Kowatri. They missed all of those guys. We're expecting all of them to be back on Saturday but I question how effective some of those guys are going to be after such a long layoff. Titans need those guys to step up to the plate, stop Trevor Lawrence, certainly have him be less successful than he was in the first meeting. I look at Evan Ingram in that game. This could be yours maybe. I'll, I'll segue in for you. 11 catches, 162 yards, two touchdowns. But again, a lot of that was as a result of how well Trevor Lawrence played. Titans have to find a way to slow him down. I think that's the worst matchup of the week sponsored by the Pharmacy. Yeah, I'm going to pivot here just so I can cover something else because there is another thing that stands out in my mind. And that is the Titans offense as a whole against the Jags ability to force turnovers. The Jacksonville Jaguars right now are fifth in the NFL in forcing turnovers. They've forced 25 total, 13 interceptions, 12 fumbles. Everyone will remember the last time these two teams played the game that kicked off the four game winning streak the Jags are currently on. The Titans turned it over four times. On this four-game winning streak, the Jags have a total of 10 takeaways. The Titans have got to protect the ball in this game. It's one of those things you can say about basically any game you ever preview in the NFL is that the turnovers will matter and whoever turns the ball over more will generally lose the game. Now, that didn't happen on Thursday night when the Titans played the Cowboys and forced three turnovers. But 
the point stands, you give yourself a way better chance to win a football game. It's common sense. It's obvious. You cannot turn the ball over. And this Jags team has been opportunistic, punching out fumbles, snaring interceptions, catching tipped deflections. We saw them, obviously, the four turnovers against the Titans. We saw them return uh, a score, a turnover for a touchdown against the Cowboys. They've been doing it all season long, and they've been really doing it well the past four weeks. So the Titans offense has got to protect the ball in this game. So that's not really a matchup per se, but... The idea of this Titans offense going against this Jags defense, a Titans offense that has struggled lately, that has turned the ball over too much against a team that has been forcing turnovers. Can they protect the ball in this game? If so, like if they protected the ball in the last matchup between these two teams, this game would not not matter because it would, they would still be tied. But um, it would be a big it would be a different story. You know, I think the Titans could have won that game if they hadn't turned it over four times. I think that's a great point, and I'm glad you had something to segue to. Uh, turnovers will be key in this game. As you said, we saw the Titans kind of stay competitive with the Cowboys right in their last game due to forcing three turnovers, I believe it was. Two picks by Kevin Byard, recovered fumble by Tier Tart. So they can force some turnovers in this game. That's Again, that's part of getting Trevor Lawrence uncomfortable, right? Getting him off platform, taking him off schedule, ruffling his feathers a little bit. That's something they did not do at all in that first meeting. So that'll be key. And you would hope the Titans will be more healthy for this. We're taping this a bit early in the week, so we're not 100% sure on the status of some guys. David Long, Mike Vrabel said on Monday, they don't know if they're going to open his practice window yet, so we don't know if David Long will be back. He said he expects Christian Fulton to practice this week. I think all signs would indicate that Fulton will return for this game, which should be a huge boost for the secondary. You should have Danico Autry and Jeffrey Simmons at the healthiest they've been together in a long time this season. You would hope that these guys will be able to make an impact in a way that they weren't able to in that game, the first meeting between these two teams, so that they can get some pressure on Trevor Lawrence. Because I agree that that could be the make-or-break difference in this game is, are you affecting the opposing quarterback, or are you giving a young signal caller who is growing with confidence in every game he plays, are you giving him a chance to build confidence in this game, or are you disrupting his process early? That's going to be a huge factor. And I think you got to loop in Amani Hooker into that as well, right? Right right alongside Christian Fulton, another guy I expect to practice this week and play on Saturday. You're right. We don't know on David Long. I thought it was a little concerning that Vrabel said we're, we don't know for opening his window yet. But with, in relation to Hooker and Fulton, I've got a lot more confidence that both of those guys will play on Saturday. And, uh, and, and you mentioned Long, you mentioned Hooker. I think those guys can be really important to slowing down Evan Ingram. Because right now, your inside linebackers, Jack Gibbons, Monty Rice, they are not designed uh, to play in coverage, right? As fun as they've been as two-down thumpers, they are not. They, that's not what they do at their best, right, playing in coverage. So I think guys like Hooker, who's played in the slot a little this year, David Long, of course, is their best uh, coverage linebacker. Those guys are going to be really important um, to trying to slow down Evan Ingram and Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, for sure. And we heard from John a minute ago about how important Evan Ingram has been to this four-game win streak for the Jags. So, yes, getting those players back could be critical. Let's talk a little bit about the offense here. And I, I want to have a philosophical conversation with you in a second here about whether or not the Titans even should want to win this game. And as Titans fans, if we should be rooting for them to win this game, I have pretty strong feelings about this, but I know it's pretty split out there in Titans Nation. But first, we should mention a couple of updates here. First of all, safety Andrew Adams has been placed on injured reserve, so he's done for the year. Second thing is that Josh Dobbs has officially been named the starting quarterback for Week 18. Mike Vrabel said it in his Monday press conference. John Glennon even asked him, 
why would you announce this now? Typically, you know, for a competitive advantage, you would wait and then keep this decision in-house. And Mike Vrabel just said, well, I wanted to be able to tell both guys, you know, what our decision was so we could prepare this week. And I actually don't mind that. You know, you could get a competitive advantage. The Jags have to prepare for Malik Willis and Josh Dobbs, but they kind of, I mean, they watched the game last week. They know Dobbs has a better chance of playing. This way you express confidently to the entire team and to the world so that Josh Dobbs knows they have faith in him as their starter this week, as opposed to playing this game where it's like, who's it going to be? But it will be Josh Dobbs, as we predicted, as I boldly stated on our Friday recap show last week. Um, but you agree with this decision, yeah? I do. And, and you know what? I, I will say credit to Vrabel for just not playing the mind games, coming out and, and stating it as a fact. I didn't really expect him to do it, in all honesty, but I thought it was the right thing to do. And you and I were, were on the same page where we said during the Friday recap, it has to be Josh Dobbs for Week 18. I imagine this wasn't a particularly difficult decision for Vrabel and the coaching staff, in all honesty. It's very obvious against the Cowboys that Dobbs gives them a better chance to win right now. And Vrabel used those exact words, right? He gives us the best chance right now. It was obvious, right? From a, a, a reading defenses pre and post snap, escapability, comfort throwing on the run, decision making, ball placement, accuracy, like essentially every trait that it takes to play quarterback. Josh Dobbs looked like he was more advanced in those areas of the game right now than Malik Willis is. You're fight, you're playing for a division title. You're not just looking ahead. You're not saying we need to get Malik Willis some reps so we can evaluate him. No, they're trying to win the division and make the playoffs. Josh Dobbs gives them the best chance to do that on, right now. I don't want to say unfortunately, but of course you wish you had Ryan Tannehill and he would give you the best chance to do all of those things. You don't. You got to make best of what the situation is. And I think that kind of leads us to the philosophical conversation that you teed up a second ago. Yeah, so Josh Dobbs gives them the best chance to win. And right before I ask you this, I just want to I'm gonna have a fun question for you. We saw in the Thursday night game last week how much um, Al Michaels and Kirk Herbstreit were obsessed with the idea that Josh Dobbs was an aerospace engineer and his parents took him to the museum when he was a child and he knew what he wanted to be for his whole life and he's really smart and he did all these degrees and had all these crazy tests that he had to study for and take within a few days' time, so learning an NFL playbook is no problem. This game, Saturday night, ESPN and ABC actually, with Joe Buck and Troy Aikman on the call, it's pretty cool the Titans get a Troy, Tro, Joe Buck-Troy Aikman game because their last Monday night football game earlier this year was at the same time as the Eagles-Vikings game, and so they didn't get Buck and Aikman. So we get Buck and Aikman this week. How many times, over, under, two and a half times, Buck and Aikman mentioned Josh Dobbs, what he studied in college and his aerospace, intelligent, whatever, nonsense? Two. How many times? Two and a half or more? Over. You <laughs> got to take the over on that. No doubt about it. <laughs> I agree. We're going to go – I'm going to go with at least five mentions of Josh Dobbs. Every time he makes a good play. Well, you know, this guy was an aerospace engineer. He's pretty <laughs> smart. All right. Josh Dobbs gives them the best chance to win this game. But should the Titans want to win this game? Obviously, the players and the coaches are playing for their careers and their lives and their livelihood, so they're going to play as hard as they can. Titans fans, should we want the Titans to win this game? The difference here if they lose this game is they could be picking in the top 15. They could be picking even higher in the top 10, finishing the year with a 7-10 and 10 record. And if the right teams win next week, could push the Titans even higher into the draft order versus winning this game, clinching a playoff spot. It puts you automatically outside the top 18, outside the top yeah, 18 because 14 teams make the playoffs. So those 14 teams pick after the 18 teams who don't. 
the highest they could potentially pick would then be 19th overall. If they win a playoff game, God forbid, like we talked about, they possibly could. If they get matched up with a struggling Baltimore team or a Chargers team that has trouble stopping the run, it is young and inexperienced. Could the Titans even then worsen their draft position even more? Could it become a 15 to 20 pick swing here if the Titans win this game and make the playoffs and win a playoff game? And is it worth it for the future of this franchise, knowing how many holes you have on the offensive line and, and playmakers that you need on offense and restocking positions you have to, you have to fill on defense? But it's a playoff. It's a, a chance to go to the playoffs. Where is your heart as a Titans fan should they try to win this game? Yeah, before I answer the question, I want to offer some clarity. I don't know all the permulations in, in all honesty, but right now, what I can say, and we, we didn't mention there, they're picking 11th as of right now. If the NFL draft was tomorrow, results are all locked in, they're picking 11th. So obviously they can climb into the top 10. The 10th pick right now is the Eagles, but that remember, that initially belonged to the Saints, right? So I, I believe right. they could still leapfrog the Saints. The ninth pick belongs to the Panthers, believe they might still be able to leapfrog the Panthers based on, on the week 18 results. So it's possible they can pick anywhere from let's say eight to 12, roughly right nine to 12. If they lose this game on Saturday, you know, I, I get it. That's a fairly high pick, but you and I are on the same page here. Listeners may not like it. They may want to see me and you go back and forth and have an argument, but I, I want to win this game. I, I think they should want to win this game. I think as a fan, you should want to win this game. First of all, I can't accept any attitude or behavior that just lays down and lets the Jacksonville Jaguars win the AFC South. Is this not one of your main rivals that you hate? Have you not referred to them as the tarp kitties, the glitter kitties throughout your entire existence as a Titans fan? And now you want them to win the AFC South over the Titans? That's one problem I have. Now, look, if you're sitting here saying, I can put those things aside for the best, for the better of the Titans' future. I, and I can understand that argument. Look, Picking higher is metaphorically better than picking lower, right? If they pick 11th, it's better than picking 25th, especially in a year where, in all honesty, they don't deserve to have the 25th overall pick, right? Because they're not the 7th or 8th or ninth best team in the NFL. We know that, especially with injuries to Ryan Tannehill and, and everyone else that's missing, Harold Landry, Bud Dupree, Taylor Lewan. We can go on and on. I still think you should want to make the playoffs. You should never lay down. And, and we're still in agreement that they could potentially win a game. And I, that might sound crazy, but especially if they were to play the Baltimore Ravens, I would have some confidence. I would have a little bit of confidence against the Chargers. Chargers only beat them by three points when they met a few weeks ago when they didn't have Although I, I couldn't believe that Keenan Allen and Mike Williams didn't have 300 receiving yards apiece when you don't have Christian Fulton in them. You had Mike Williams and Keenan Allen against Greg Maben and, and John Reed. Like if the Chargers only won that game by three, now you're telling me you play them again with Christian Fulton and Amani Hooker and David Long. You feel, you feel better about it, right? And you held them to 17 points. And they got one of the worst run defenses in the NFL. So you, could, you might be able to control the clock with Derrick Henry and yada, yada. So I do think the Titans could win a playoff game if they were to play the Ravens or Chargers. Uh, I think you should want to win this game. And I think we're going to get into this draft discussion a little bit more. But I, I want you to chime in first. Yeah, I mean, I definitely think if it's in terms of like, you know they could win a games, but you don't care because you know this team's not good enough to win the Super Bowl. And so you're and focused they're on... They're probably the not. And they're, they probably are not. But again, anything can happen. I don't think it's likely. I don't think it's more than a 1% chance. But anything 
can happen. Why not savor the experience? That's where it comes down to, to for me is like, yeah, the future of this franchise could be slightly better if they're picking 10 spots higher in every round of the draft next April. But where, how does that really, I mean, we're talking about a draft process that is as flawed as it gets. It's a total guessing game here. Yeah, we think the 12th best player in the draft is the 12th best player in the draft, but go look through draft logs of guys that have been picked in the top 12 and tell me how many of them are guaranteed hits. It's less than 50%. We're not talking about a franchise altering player here. We're not talking about Bryce Young coming in and saving this Titans franchise. We're not even talking about like a star wide receiver or a star left tackle because this draft class doesn't really have those guys at the top end of the draft. You're going to have to find a gem type of player if you want a franchise left tackle or a, a wide receiver one playmaking game changer in this draft class. So to me, it's like, yeah, you can, you in theory, sure, it's better for the future of the franchise, but you don't actually know that it's better for the future of the franchise. You're just guessing based on like, oh, they're picking 10 spots higher. So like anything can happen in the draft. We've seen John Rom- John Robinson's gone, but we've seen the Titans have horrible first round draft picks, even high and even low. You know, Corey Davis, fifth overall. Was he really like worth a fifth overall? You get my point, right? Like yeah. it's not necessarily better just because you're picking a little bit higher. And then on the flip side of that is you're giving up the experience of playing in a playoff game. And I know it feels like the Titans, maybe like that experience doesn't feel like such a special thing anymore because over the last, you know, since even Mike Malarkey took over, the Titans have been to the playoffs a number of times. They're working on their fifth straight appearance if they can make the playoffs this year after going 2019, 2020, 2021. Sorry, their fourth straight appearance after going 2019, 2020, 2021, made the playoffs. It feels like a routine thing, right? And the couple first round playoff exits the last two years or first game playoff exits the last two years makes it feel a little cheapened like you don't need that playoff experience anymore but look across the nfl look at these other fan bases that are going through major playoff droughts even the jags haven't been in over five years you got jets fans who haven't been in over seven years you got lions fans you got browns fans who went once won a playoff game and then their whole franchise crumbled into shambles as they trade everything for deshaun watson who looks terrible on the field you got teams out there that would kill just to make the playoffs just for the experience of being in an island game and getting the coverage that comes with it from the media and all the talking attention and like just being in the playoffs is a cool thing that football fans should savor it's ryan Tannehill. you know next next year is ryan Tannehill on the titans we don't know he has no guaranteed money this team could look so different next year they could be a four and 13 team next year looking for that quarterback of the future toiling to try to make the playoffs again for the next five eight years that's how the nfl works savor the moment make the playoffs if you can and enjoy it and if you get your ass kicked in the first round so be it at least you were there at least you had the experience and the moment don't take it for granted root for the titans to win that's my spiel i 100 percent agree don't don't take it for granted i think that's the biggest thing you said because life changes in an incident in the nfl and we know there may be some dark years ahead for the Titans, right we know that some of their superstars from ryan Tannehill to derrick henry to kevin byer these are all aging players taylor lewan that aren't going to be here much longer so this is a team that's going to have to rebuild uh, eventually i think it's crazy to pass up on an opportunity to make the playoffs even if it's one last time before the dark ages really start to settle in you've got to take advantage of it you've got to savor it and look uh, who predicted Nick Foles getting hot a few years ago? Josh Dobbs is a smart kid. He, I promise you he's, he wants to make the most of this opportunity more than anybody. He's super excited to have this uh, opportunity. And, uh, I mean, I think that goes without saying, right? I didn't talk to him, but it's pretty obvious, right? When you're a six-year pro that just started your first career game, you, you, you're, you're going to be feeling things, right, that you haven't really felt. So uh, I, I think you got to try to get in. And then I look at this draft. 
say that even if they lose this game, they pick eighth or ninth, let's say, right? Ninth, 10, whatever. You, you want a quarterback. Sure, if you lose this game, it'd be easier potentially to draft a quarterback. It, would, it might be easier to move up for a quarterback. That's what you may be thinking. And you're not wrong. It's easier to move up from 10 than it is from 24, right? No, no denying that. But when you start really diving into it, like the Texans aren't trading the number one pick, right? They're, they're going to draft a quarterback. It's probably going to be Bryce Young. The Colts right now have the fifth pick in the draft. They've got a, as big of a quarterback need as anybody. If they're not taking a quarterback at five, it's because they're trading up to two, three, or four to make sure they get a quarterback. I have a feeling the Carolina Panthers, who are currently picking ahead of the Titans and probably will be picking ahead of the Titans at the conclusion of this weekend, even if the Titans lose, I think they're going to be super desperate for a quarterback. Probably not going to pick one at nine. They might be willing to trade up. The Seattle Seahawks, Geno Smith, an unrestricted free agent. That, you know, that Cinderella era has cooled there a little, right, over the last two months. They might be willing to move up or stay where they are and draft a quarterback. Like, there are a lot of teams that are going to be guaranteed picking in front of the Titans that need a quarterback and that may be more aggressive in their pursuit of a quarterback. Can the Titans pull it off? Of course it's possible. I just don't feel it's likely enough for me to root for a loss. And on top of it, I don't know like which quarterback would I want. You're probably not getting Bryce Young. I really liked what C.J. Stroud showed the other night, of course, against T- uh, Sorry, against Georgia. He was unbelievable in that game. Uh, but, he, you know, the resume this year was a bit lackluster heading into that game, right? It wasn't quite as dominant as you wanted him to be. Showed a lot of those traits in that game that you wanted to see from him. But uh, how much do you overreact to that one game versus the full body of work he's put on tape this year? I'm not really a Will Levis guy out of Kentucky. Anthony Richardson, I think, will be available in that 15 to 20 range, potentially. And then I look at the offensive tackle class. Peter Skoronsky from Northwestern, in my opinion, is a guard. So I'm not going to be rooting for a loss because I might end up taking a tackle to guard conference. How excited would you be to relive the Dylan Radins experience all over again, but this time at 10th overall, as opposed to like 54th? Uh, Broderick Jones from Georgia, I'm not convinced, is a a bulletproof top 10 guard. I got to have him. Paris Johnson from Ohio State's probably my number one tackle in this draft. And I think he'll probably go in the top 10 because of positional need. But in all honesty, I don't think he's like a a Panay Sewell, Rashawn Slater, Iki Aquanu, even can't miss tackle prospect. I got to have him in the top five. That Paris Johnson's played one year at tackle this year, right? So there, there's still some things you got to learn about him. Dewan Jones, right tackle at Ohio State, I think is a first round tackle, but not everyone would agree with me right now. And he's probably going to be available in the, potentially in that 20 to 32 range, right? Uh, uh, when it's all said and done, even though I do think he's a first round guy. The receiver class, I mean, I could go on and on everything you just said. This is the worst receiver class we've seen in years. We've been spoiled in recent years because it's been so good. This one is nowhere near that, in my opinion, with Quentin Johnston and Jordan Addison and now Keyshawn uh, Keyshawn Boutte uh, declared unexpectedly. There's going to be a lot of receivers taken in that 25 to 40 range. Guys like Jalen Hyde out of Tennessee, Josh Downs out of North Carolina. There's going to be a lot of receivers. And some of those high-end guys, I got a a ton of question marks on Quinton Johnston and Jordan Addison specifically. So if you're not losing for a receiver, you're probably not losing uh, maybe for a tackle. It's going to be really difficult to get a quarterback. There's no way I'm rooting for a loss. 
Thank you for the draft informed draft analysis there from our draft expert, Justin Mello. Yep. I mean, so we are in locks up here and I know a lot of people do disagree. We've been, we've been in the group chat, you know, the Broadway people, the contributors at Broadway, a lot of them disagree with this take. They think it's way better for the future of the franchisers. Some people don't even care about what happens in 2023. They're all about building for 2024 and piling up draft assets for that draft class, which, you know, long-term, maybe that does work out better for the Titans, but why are you worrying about 2024 for live in the moment, enjoy it, savor the playoff experience, don't take it for granted. So with that said, can Josh Dobbs actually beat the Jacksonville Jaguars? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I guess this is the part of the show where we give our prediction. And after all that, maybe we're about to ruin it. Um, look, I, I think the Titans can win this game. I, 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 I do. I think I think Derrick Henry has a chance of having some success against uh, Jacksonville's run defense. As John Chipley mentioned earlier on the show, they had some first half success, right? If I remember correctly, they went away from Henry too early. I think he finished with like 19 or 20 carries, average five or six yards per carry. He was over 100 17- yards. 17... 17, 17 carries, 121 yards, wow. 7.1 yards per carry. And I think he had like two two yards in the second half or something like that. I remember something ridiculous. So it's obvious you might be able to have some success with Henry. Although I will say, I think this comes down to the defense, what we touched on earlier. If the Titans win this game, in my opinion, it's because Jeffrey Simmons, Dina Kowatri, one or both of them made a big play, a strip sack. Jacksonville's passing offense didn't have as much success because you got Amani Hooker back and Christian Fulton and David Long and all three of them played well, played to their full potential and made an impact. Where I'm worried about that happening is are those guys able to come back and just flip a light switch after missing so much time? Specifically, of course, Fulton, Hooker and, um, and, and Long. John Glennon, former Broadway uh, sports contributor, now with uh, the Sports Illustrated uh, team site for the Titans, he wrote a really good article recently that I think flew under the radar. He said, he talked about how they haven't gotten contributions from guys that just returned from injury. And if you look at it, what he's talking about, you know, a guy like Traylon Burks came back from a concussion and has made a play, you know, here or there, but he hasn't been dominant. You brought back, but, you know, Bud Dupree missed some time, re-injured out for the year. Ryan Tannehill missed time, re-injured out for the year. Zach Cunningham missed time, re-injured out for the year. In all honesty, even Dean Nicoatri, like he's come back and I think he's played well, but I don't think he's been quite as dominant as he was prior to the knee injury he suffered against Green Bay. So if that's the case with Hooker, Fulton, Long, and they've all had, what is it, like knees and hamstrings and, or, and groins, like I think it's all been relatively soft tissue stuff with those three players, if I'm remembering correctly. There is a chance where they have to, you know, come back and shake off the rust and it's not perfect. And and David Longer, Amani Hooker, they do struggle against Evan Ingram. And Christian Fulton struggles against a Zay Jones or a Christian Kirk. Zay Jones had a really good game in that in the first meeting, if you if you remember correctly. If that's the case, and, and I think it might be in all honesty, I think you need too much to go right for you here defensively. I I do think Jacksonville wins this game. One thing that negatively impacted what I was going to initially say about this. Remember last year, they were playing the Bengals in the playoff game. I was naive enough on the preview show to predict the Titans win. And I said, I think a young quarterback, a young team needs to kind of face some adversity before they're able to overcome this. Right. And I thought the Titans went into that game with a lot of experience. Joe Burrow went into that with almost no experience. Feels like Trevor Lawrence a little bit in this game, right? Where Jacksonville is now based on where Cincinnati was last year. And I said, 
I think a team has to go through some adversity. They got to learn their lesson. They got to be able to point at something as a teachable moment, a learning period before they can sort of experience the highs. I was an idiot last year that did not come to fruition at all as the Bengals overcame all those things and won that game. Um, I'm, I'm starting to see a similar thing for Jacksonville here. So I am going to predict a Jacksonville victory. I do think, again, the Titans can win this game. I think it will be closer than most expect and anticipate. Think I go Jacksonville 23-17. God, I feel dirty doing this because you know Mike Vrabel's locked in. I bet the Titans whip out a trick play or two, right, to try to catch them off guard. I think Vrabel's going to try pulling out all the stops. I love Mike Vrabel. He's the, a better head coach than Doug Peterson, and I love, I really like Doug Peterson. I want you to cut in for a, in a second. I, I, I really, I said last year when they hired Peterson that it was a good hire. And a lot of Titans, oh, a lot of Titans fans, oh, you know, just typical bullshit because you don't like Jacksonville. No, it's, you saw the way he left Philly. But no, it was a good hire. It clearly is a good hire. I, but I like Mike Vrabel a bit more. I hate betting against Mike Vrabel in a game like this. But I, I just have a feeling they don't have the dogs. Did you hear what Mike Vrabel said on Monday when asked about the quarterbacks and what he told Malik Willis? And then he goes, I told Malik to prepare like a starter. I know he's going to make a play that helps us win this game. Hmm. Interesting. He's not playing. I mean, he's not supposed to be the starting quarterback. In what way is he going to make a play that helps us win this game? I think you're 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 right on about a potential trick play, Malik Willis goal line package, something like that which like I don't honestly is that even a good idea? I don't know. He's probably just going to fumble, but um I like the I like that they're at least going to try everything in this game. I'm picking the Titans to win. Let's go. And here's why. Last year, the Colts were in the exact same position as this Jags team. A slow start to the season, picking up steam as the season goes on, trying to close the season on a long win streak. You got the media behind you. You got football fans rallying, saying this team's better than their record. They deserve to make the playoffs. They're going to go into Jacksonville week 18 and kick their ass and punch their ticket. Well, now Jacksonville's in the basically the same boat that the Colts were last year. The Titans are going to be the division rival that has no business beating this team as banged up as they are, as poorly as they've played the last six games, to come out and win, and not just win, win in convincing wow. fashion. I got the Titans, 27-17, <laughs> double-digit victory. It's not even that close at the end of the day. Titans win it and uh, just like stick it to everyone out there who says that they have no business being in the playoffs. And you know what? The playoffs are going to be more boring because of Josh Dobbs and the Titans making it over the young, fun quarterback Trevor Lawrence and the growing young Jags team. Screw it. I don't care. Titans win this game. Book it. They're going to be so locked in. I do. I do think that experience factor that you mentioned is important. Like, Joe Burrow and the Bengals last year overcame a nine-sack game to win the game on a last-second field goal. The Titans just need a few things to go their way. It's been, it feels like the whole season things haven't gone their way. Missed field goals by the Titans at the bad time. Other teams never seem to miss potential game winning kicks against the Titans. Like, never. Like, when is yeah. the last time it even happened? Um, balls don't bounce their way. You know, they have games where they like fumble three times and lose all three of them. Like, you know, they can't even just jump on a loose ball. But things started to change a little bit in the Cowboys game. And I know they lost by double digits, they lost by two touchdowns in that game. But. They got some turnovers. They got some balls bouncing their way that weren't, I mean, Kevin Byard made a phenomenal interception jumping the Dalton Schultz route, but the Peyton Hendershot bobble into his arms, that's lucky. Dak Prescott drops a snap and Tier Tart is opportunistic and pounces on it. It's lucky that the other team drops a snap. Maybe they can ride some of that momentum into this game, play with the kind of confidence that they haven't really been playing with to, from, from building off of last week. 
come out with more rest, more time to prepare, a quarterback that there's not a ton of film on, there's one game's worth of film on, and they're going to add more concepts this week. I think the Titans have a better chance than anyone's going to give them credit for. I think they easily cover the six-and-a-half-point spread, and I think they win this game. I, I mean, this is a lot of fan bias in me talking, <laughs> making this pick, but I think they can do it. I will say it would be super Titans-like to piss off the rest of the footballing nation and fans of by beating Jacksonville and getting in over them. Because let's say if you're not a Titans fan, you want to see Jacksonville win this game, right? You you hate the Titans. You think they're even so if you good. are a Titans fan. Yeah, a lot of them do. But based on the draft discussion, but a lot, especially if you're a non-Titans fan, you're rooting for Jacksonville. Everyone would rather see Trevor Lawrence and Doug Peterson and the young, flashy quarterback. And look, I, I get that, right? I, I, if I was neutral, I'd probably be rooting for Trevor Lawrence and the Jags as well, right? But would be very Titans like to spoil that party and just send an FU to the league, just like they did last year by earning the number one seed when no one thought they deserved it. It would certainly be a big middle finger from Mike Vrabel and the Titans to the rest of the footballing world. And how could you not root for that as a Titans fan? Come on, screw the future. The future is not promised to us. Live in the moment, live for today. All right, anything else? Any final thoughts about this game? I don't. I mean, this is a big one. I'm so excited. I hope this doesn't end, and I know – um, the word I'm looking for here. Like, I, I know the format's a little different this week because it, you know we they played on Thursday, but uh, I hope it, our two episode a week schedule isn't coming to a close as of right now. Because of course, uh, you know, once, once times are out of the playoffs, we'll be returning to our one episode a week because we're not going to have enough content to fill two episodes a week. It just wouldn't be fair to the listeners in all honesty. Cause nor do we want to, sorry. <laughs> I mean, it wouldn't make sense. So it really wouldn't, right? Like it's two episodes a week in the off season is not exactly necessary per se. So I hope our, the schedule uh, isn't altered. I want a couple more weeks of two episodes per week. I want the Titans to make the playoffs, stick it to the world, stick it to the Jags, tarp kitties, glitter kitties, whatever you call them. Uh, and win the NFC South for Sparkle the third kitties. straight year. Don't forget Sparkle Kitties. Sparkle Kitties. That's what, probably one of my favorites. So win the AFC South for the third straight year, you're crazy if you're not rooting for it. I fully agree. All right, that will do it for the Music City Audible. Hopefully not the last game preview of the year, but you never know in this league. All right, follow Justin on Twitter at JustinM underscore NFL. Follow me at Titans Film Room. Thanks again to the Pharmacy, Burger Parlor, and Beer Garden for presenting us with this awesome season of content. Two episodes a week, thanks to them. And check out BroadwaySportsMedia.com. It is not too late to become a Broadway insider. Yeah, become a Broadway Insider today. It's $6.99 a month. You could use the code INSIDER to get your first month for just $0.99 cents, or use the code ANNUAL uh, for a total of $49.99 for your first year. Lots of great uh, benefits to becoming a Broadway Insider. We've got the Mike Herndon Show uh, behind the paywall. That's a weekly video show going out every week with your favorite Mike Miracles, Mike Herndon. That's obviously a big perk to becoming a Broadway Insider. You get early access to some of the podcasts. Uh, a lot of written content behind that paywall. Whether that written content comes from me, it comes from Zach at uh, F Words Pod. Uh, it's coming from Easton. There's a lot of content coming your way if you're a Broadway insider. Become an insider today. You won't regret it. And be sure to check out all the other podcasts and content Broadway Source Media has to offer. All right, we will see you next week to recap this game and maybe preview another one, maybe not. TBD on that front. Have fun Saturday night, y'all. We'll see you next week. Until then, tighten up. a Broadway sports media production.